Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Today, I want to go over some of the things we've covered in the recent past and hit a new book that we've never really discussed much. That's the book of Nahum. Um, But we have covered in the past animal die-offs. They were predicted back in Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And then birds disappear. Can you imagine a world without birds? You wake up in the morning and you go outside in your garden and there's no birds. That's a disaster coming. And then that's in Jeremiah 4.25. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 3 says that men and beasts, fowls and fish will be consumed, gone, mostly from the earth. In Ezekiel 7.19, the food is removed. We have famine worldwide. You know that the famines around the world are increasing because there's droughts everywhere And the farmers have no crops. Even in Germany, all over Germany, the crops and the farmers are failing. Prices are escalating because they have to import their food. Scary stuff. And then in Revelation 16.20, islands submerge as the ice caps melt away. Now, I added the ice caps melt away because... That's what I think is uh, potentially going to happen in the future. The islands are going to submerge because they're just a few, uh, maybe 10 feet or 20 feet above sea level in many places. They're basically a sandbar. Well, the oceans are predicted to rise even farther than that if the um, ice caps were to really melt. In Revelation 9 and verse 2, the earth darkens as smoke fills the atmosphere. We've covered that. What is that smoke? And what's burning? I mean, something's got to be burning in order to have smoke. Well, my friends, it's oil. Do you know that oil is the the second most abundant um, liquid on the planet. Oil. It's not buried dinosaurs rotting away. It's not buried uh, plants and animals buried uh, tens of thousands of feet down. Never happened. Never happened. That's not the way oil is made. It's not what it is composed of or comprised of. It is abiotic. Just Google it. Abiotic oil. And you'll learn all about how oil is really made. The methane core of the earth is hot, very hot and under tremendous pressure trying to get out. That's why we have volcanoes. That's why we have cracks in the Earth's crust and fissures 
going up through and leaking into the ocean. And uh, it's made when the methane is on its way up toward the surface through some of these cracks or fissures. And as they pass through these cracks, water leaks in. So you get methane and hydrogen mixed. Hydrocarbon. Carbon gets added when it, it does pass through a layer of ash or carbon or something that's buried under the ground. So it's kind of a combination, but it's made by the earth. And as it combines under heat and pressure, when it comes up to the surface, it gradually gets colder, or I shall say cooler. It's still hot, but relatively speaking, it's cooler. Well, when it cools, it's oil. And that's the way it's made. It's not made by rotting away dinosaur bones or flesh. No, no. It's extant all over the globe. Every single country almost has oil. It's not made by rotting away dinosaurs. Sorry about that, uh, Chevron. But you lied. Or maybe you didn't know. And then you can go to Malachi 4, verses 1 through 13, which happens to be the last of the uh, Old Testament books. Um, but let's see here. 4. This is very short. For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven. Wow. That gets pretty hot. 400 degrees? Are you kidding me? Nobody could live through that. We'd all bake. 30 minutes, we'd be toast. And all the proud, yes, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. Who does wickedly? What is wicked anyway? Well, it's calling evil good and good evil. When you think it's in your religion, you're serving your God to kill people, that's evil. That's calling good evil and evil good. Shame on those people. Shame on them. But they will be stubble, and in that day, that day comes, will burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that shall leave them neither root nor branch. There'll be nothing left. There is no immortal soul that's going to remain on in hell in torment forever. No, they're gone. There's nothing left of them, neither root nor branch. Verse 2, But unto you that fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, that's Jesus, will arise with healing in its wings. He shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means somebody that's um, settled, that's uh, righteous, that's complete, that's whole, that's ripe, that's ready to go. 
And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in that day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb. Horeb is in Saudi Arabia. It's where the split rock is. This thing is six stories tall. And it was split from the top down, so I understand. And water gushed out from the bottom up, sending out uh, this gigantic geyser of water, which formed into a lake below, feeding, and uh, that is, watering about two million Israelis or Israelites who left Egypt. <laughs> wow. It's not a trickle coming out like a little hose or something like that that you see in the movies. It's hilarious. They shall tread down the wicked, and they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in that day, that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, the statutes and the judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Wouldn't you be angry if you were God because mankind starts World War Three and destroys the earth virtually? and almost completely kills every last living thing on planet Earth. <sighs> yes, indeed, you would be mad. I would be, too. The, the day of the Lord is dreadful, my friends. It is dreadful because everything on Earth will be ruined. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse, it says in the King James, but utter destruction is what that word really means in other translations. But that's what we find in Malachi. So what do we find in Nahum? Well, here it is. It has three chapters, I think. Yeah, three chapters. Here we go with Nahum 1, 1. The burden of Nineveh. Where's Nineveh? And who are the people that live there? They're Iraqis. It's in north-central Iraq. The book of the vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. God is a jealous God. A jealous God cares about someone else, and someone else is hurting his loved one. That's jealousy. It's not envy. It's not envy. We get that mixed up in the United States. We want something somebody else has, and we think we ought to have it. That's envy. But the Lord is a jealous God. He cares about someone else, and he's trying to protect them. He gets back at them who are hurting them. The Lord revenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. 
and reserves wrath for his enemies. But the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. That's a lot of energy, a lot of power, lightning and so forth. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers like Bashan and Carmel and Lebanon. Those rivers languish. The mountains quake at him and the hills melt. The earth is burned up at his presence. Yes, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide the fierceness of his anger? Who can abide his fury? It's poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down, broken asunder by him. But the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. We've got to keep that in mind. And he knows them that trust in him. And I'm hoping that's you and me. But with an ever-running flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, that is, Nineveh, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. There is a former and a latter fulfillment of this, more than likely. Most prophecy is dual like that. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up a second time. After Jesus returns, do we really think we're going to have another world war? No, 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 no. You've got one more, and that's the end of it forever, because God, in the form or in the the person of Jesus Christ, will not put up with it any longer. He's patient, but it will not rise again. Verse 10, For while they be held together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fully dry. Now, where have we heard language like that before? Well, I would say Jeremiah 51. Let's just go there and take a look at something. Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 39. Listen how similar this is. In their heat I will make their feasts... And I will make them drunken, that they may rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep, and not wake, says the Lord. Unquote. That's verse 39. In verse 37, he makes it more specific. And I will make drunk her princes and her wise men, her captains and her rulers and her mighty men, And they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, says the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. 
That's pretty specific. You don't see him saying, they're going to be burning in hell forever in you know eternal conscious torment. It's not in there. It's not anywhere in the Old Testament at all. It's not in the New Testament either, truth be known. So they will not need to be uh, dealt with twice. They will be done. So here's what it says now. Compare that, what I just read, to verse 10. For while they be together as thorns, or held together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they will be devoured as stubble fully dry. Burnt. Verse 11, there is one to come out of you that imagines or devises evil against the Lord. Well, who does that? Well, the Muslims, they hate Jehovah. They love Allah. Well, Allah doesn't even exist. It's an idol. They made it up. They imagine evil against the Lord and call him a wicked counselor. Come on, man. Thus says the Lord, verse 12, Though they be quiet, and likewise many, yet thus they shall all be cut down. They're not quiet. The Muslims are renegade uh, rabble-rousers, and they are troublemakers. That's what they do. And they think they're doing it righteously. Satan has them so deceived. But though they were quiet, as if they could be, and likewise they were many, as they are, and growing every day, yet thus they shall be cut down when he comes and passes through. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break his yoke from off you. He's talking about or talking to the Israelis, the Israelites, those that uh, the Muslims are criticizing and persecuting, like Christians. So now I will break his yoke from off you and will burst your bonds that they bound you with in two. And the Lord has given a commandment concerning you that no more of your name be sown. Now, he's talking about the Muslims here, in my view. Out of the house of your gods, little g, will I cut off the graven image and the molten image. The Kava stone, for example. Hmm. I will make you uh, make your grave... For you are vile. I'm not saying this. God is saying this. Behold upon the mountains the feet of him that brings good tidings and that publishes peace. Do you think Muslims publish peace? They don't know the way to peace. The way to peace is for two people to love one another. And they have no love. Ever notice that? There's no love in Islam. 
No real love in Islam. O Judah, keep your solemn feasts, perform your vows to me, in other words, to God, for the wicked shall no more pass through her, for he is utterly cut off, that is, deceased, gone. Chapter 2. He that dashes in pieces is come up before my face. Well, who does that more than the Muslims? No one. Keep the munition. Watch the way. Make your loins strong. Fortify your power mightily. Verse 2. For the Lord has turned away the excellency of Jacob. Now, I believe that is better rendered in the NIV. Let's just find out. Nahum 2, verse 2, and this is in the NIV. The Lord will restore the splendor of Jacob like the splendor of Israel, though destroyers have laid them waste and ruined their vines. The shields of his shoulders, or I'm sorry, of his soldiers are red, and the warriors are clad in scarlet. The metal on the chariots flashes on the day that they are made ready. Their spears of pine are brandished. Now, I believe that means sharpened. The chariots storm through the streets, rushing back and forth through the squares. They look like flaming torches. They dart about like lightning. He summons his picked troops, yet they stumble, stumble on their way. They dash to the city wall. The protective shield is put in place. The river gates are thrown open, and the palace collapses. It is decreed that the city is exiled and carried away. Its slave girls moan like doves and beat upon their breasts. Nineveh is like a pool, and its water is draining away. Stop, stop, they cry, but no one turns back. So plunder the silver, plunder the gold. The supply is endless. Oil money, anybody? Well, that's what's happening in Iraq. There's more oil in Iraq than anywhere else on earth, I think. According to the uh, the Russians who went down there in 1985, they found that three-quarters of the earth's oil is under Iraq. Wow. And they did this by uh, radar, deep earth-penetrating radar. The supply is endless, the wealth from all its treasures. But she is now pillaged and plundered and stripped. Hearts melt, knees give way, bodies tremble, and every face grows pale. Where now is the lion's den, the place where they feed their young? Where the lion and the lioness went and the cubs with nothing to fear? The lion killed enough for his cubs and strangled the prey for his mate, filling his lairs with the kill. 
and his dens with the prey. Isn't that exactly what the Muslims do? They kill? I am against you, declares the Lord Almighty. I will burn up your chariots in smoke, and the sword will devour your young lions. I will leave you no prey on the earth, nothing to eat. The voices of your messengers will no longer be heard. Woe to Nineveh, the city of blood. This is chapter 3, verse 1. Full of lies. It's okay to lie in Islam. And this is exactly who we're talking about. These people are the Ninevites. You're full of plunder, never without victims. And that's for sure. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses, and jolting chariots, charging cavalry, uh, cavalry, flashing swords and glittering spears, many casualties, piles of dead bodies without number. Wow. People stumbling over the corpses in the streets, in other words, all because of the wanton lust of a harlot. Alluring, the mistress of sorceries. That's a pretty good definition, if you ask me, of Islam. Who enslaved nations by her prostitution and peoples by her witchcraft. Well, they get people to buy their oil. Hmm, can that be part of that? I am against you, declares the Lord Almighty. I will lift up your skirts over your faces. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. I will pelt you with filth, and I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. All who see you will flee from you and say, Nineveh's in ruins. Who will mourn for her? Where can I find anyone to comfort you? Are you better than Thebes, situated on the Nile with the water around her? The river was her defense, the waters her wall. And then Cush in Egypt, where her boundless strength was. Put Libya, uh, Put and Libya were among her allies. Yet she was taken captive and went into exile. Her infants were dashed to pieces at the head of every street. Lots were cast for her nobles, and all her great men were put in chains. So you too will become drunk, and you will go into hiding and seek refuge from the enemy. All your fortresses are like fig trees, fig trees with their first ripe fruit, When they are shaken, the figs fall into the mouth of the eater. Now, what does that give you a picture of? Well, sudden destruction. That's what I'd say. Look at your troops. They're all like women. Not that that's bad, but men should look like men and be like men and strong and brave. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has consumed their bars. Draw water for the siege. Strengthen your defenses. Work the clay. Tread the mortar. 
Repair the brickwork. There the fire will devour you. The sword will cut you down like grasshoppers and consume you. Multiply like grasshoppers. Multiply like locusts. Well, that's kind of what they do. They have eight kids, typically. That's the average. How many do Americans have? Less than one on the average. You have increased the number of your merchants till they are more than the stars of the sky. But like locusts, they strip the land and then fly away. Your guards are like locusts. Your officials like swarms of locusts that settle in the walls on a cold day. They sneak in places that they shouldn't be in. In other words, and no one knows where they're at. O king of Assyria, your shepherds slumber. Your nobles lie down to rest. Your people are scattered on the mountains, and no one will gather them. Nothing can heal your wound, for your injury is fatal. Every one who hears the news about you claps their hands at your fall. They rejoice. All right. For who has not felt your endless cruelty? And that's the end of the chapter. That sounds pretty dire against Iraq and against Islam, if you ask me. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Read your Bible and try to get a handle on what he's talking about. The next book over to the left is Micah. Micah and then Nahum. We just read Nahum, but Micah one nine is a reference here. Here's what it says: For her wound is incurable. For it is come to Judah, he is come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. So the minor prophets, the so-called minor prophets, kind of boil down what's going to happen in the future, and we need to pay attention to them. They kind of gel everything together. Woe to them that are that devise in. Iniquity and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it. They put it into to good use or <laughs> to evil use, because it is in the power of their hand to do so. They covet fields and take them by force, by violence, and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his household, even a man and his her- inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord: Behold, against this family do I devise evil, from which, uh, let's see, from which you shall not remove your necks. You're not going to get out of it. Neither shall you go in, um, away haughtily, with your nose in the air. In other words, for this time of evil, in that day. Take up one parable against you, and lament with a doleful lamentation, and say, "We are utterly spoiled, ruined." 
You can go to my website, itellwhy.com. You can watch my videos there that I've selected to help build faith. There's no advertisements on itellwhy.com. Or you can go to Jesus is Why and take you to the same place. You can read my eight books there. It's all free. You can download them. You can print them. I don't care. It's there for you. All those PDFs are there. And you can study and learn and grow, hopefully. And you can find truth that you're not going to hear from the pulpit or the television. So go there, if you wish, and uh, give me some feedback. You can get my email address there, jesusisy at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Until next time, then, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Have a great day.